In spite of the sound issues, it was a great joy to sit with all of you this evening, as usual. I'm mostly happy to be reminded of the the peace and ease that is the what I like to think of as the natural state of our minds. Do you believe that the natural state of your mind is peace? Well, just notice for a moment, because sometimes it's hard to see through the all the all the discursive thinking. But um, notice notice your mind. Okay, first of all, be aware of the fact that you're aware. Or maybe I should put it this way. Stop being aware right now. (laughs) So stop being aware. And you will perhaps discover that that uh, you can't stop, and that awareness just shines through. It's the fact of this, what's sometimes called pure knowing. And notice that this aware doesn't really have a location. It does not have a, a height, or a depth, or a color, or a shape. It's, um, it's invisible. Yet, everything is known, including the buzzing of the microphone. That buzzing is being known because of awareness, awareness of buzzing. Now the awareness of the fading of buzzing. Now the buzzing arose and the buzzing fell away. And both the arising and the falling away of the buzzing were known. And the awareness itself was un moved or untouched by that, by that buzzing. It came, it went. Awareness did not really make it. Awareness was only interested in the fact that it was knowing the buzzing and knowing the absence of it. Now, maybe in the middle of that, there may have been another mental reaction of, I don't like that very much. That's irritating. That would be a mental reaction. That was also, at least in my, set, my case, it became known that I was feeling reactive to that, um, to that buzzing. That became known, and then that reaction also faded away, just like the buzzing did. A little bit dependent on the absence of the buzzing, the reaction went away. But both of these were noticed. And the noticing, or what we call awareness, was untouched by that. Now, whatever that is that allows you to know that you're aware here, it doesn't have a location, it doesn't have a height, a depth, it's not located inside your head. No one's ever seen an awareness inside the head. You could open it up and you'd see a lot of gray matter and this, <laughs> this and that, but you wouldn't find awareness. But yet everything is, everything is known. And if we look if we keep looking at what that awareness is, we see that it is, it's completely unconditioned. It's, it is, um, it, it does not have a, um, it's not something that, that um, 
is born and dies and it just, it, it, things are known, things arise and pass away. And if you look to the, to the nature of what that, the nature of that awareness, you could say that awareness, because it silently notices, just reflects whatever it is that's happening. Right now it's the buzzing again. The awareness is not buzzing. The awareness is dead silent. Otherwise, that buzzing could not be known. That awareness is at is always at peace. So the peace, at least it seems to me, the peace, peace is something all of us long for desperately. It is the hidden aim in everything we do. We want to be able to, we try to accomplish things. So at the end of our accomplishment, we can say, ah, I'm at peace. Done is what needed to be done. That's what the Buddha said. But we do that for various things. Done is what needed to be done. I finished my homework, my project, my, my, um, I accomplished my goals. I got rid of my difficult roommate. <laughs> I, I finally uh, managed to um, enter or leave a uh, committed relationship. And we say, ah, a little a cessation of that uh, desire to have that, whatever that was. There's a feeling of peace. But often we associate peace with the ending of something or the the finishing of something, it's associated with it's associated with time, with accomplishment, with accumulation, with some something that I don't have now that I will have, or something that I have now that I will hopefully not have. And so our peace is often conditional. And we sure enough will get that feeling, that relief when when I finally get to the end of the week. Work is finished. And I may have spent the whole week waiting for the end of the week because I know that there's going to be a little relief at the end. Any of you ever wait for the end of the week? No honest person here. But see, this is the, this, this associating our peace with Conditions being the way that we want them to be, getting to the end of the week, getting what I want, getting rid of what I don't want. This tendency of mind, which is just a, a mind habit, it's a, it's just habit. So I'm very, this is all about me, this buzzing. <laughs> Taking it very personally. <laughs> no. Anyway, this habit, this habit assumes that almost each one of these little trances, these belief systems, these little thought worlds that I enter into that, um, that associate and create an impression that I will, that I have to somehow wait to be at peace even for an instant, 
is a trick. It's a, it's a trick of the mind. It's Mara. Mara is that, that personification of, of that voice in us that says, you know, it's not what you're looking for isn't right here. It's actually, I, I actually get, need to get away from here to, to find that relief that I'm looking for. And so Mara will always have to keep you in a state of perpetual searching, perpetual waiting. And sure enough, what reinforces it is we do feel that moment of peace at the end of the week. And after I've created this, this fantastic idea of how the weekend's going to be, it, it never turns out quite the way I want it. But I do have that momentary relief because why do I have that relief? It's not because the, the weekend came or whatever, or whatever, however the weekend goes. What gave the relief is the end of that postponement of peace, the end of that waiting for it, the end of the wanting. The Buddha described this process of postponing. He described it as, in all its flavors, as craving as thirst, as hunger, as, as tr entrancing ourselves into, into a well-being that depends on conditions. Called it the happiness that comes, called that the happiness of, of bondage, of slavery, being just a slave to what's next. So meanwhile, what it also obscures is the peace and ease that is already, always already, that's unconditional. That is the very nature of the mind that's knowing, even in this moment. If we, instead of looked outward toward the, the experience that I think will make me happy, instead we just turned and looked, looked at our, at this, at the nature of our awareness itself, we'd see that right now, after your last, just free for a moment of this, of hope and expectations or fears, free of whatever formation our mind is making, whatever imaginary world that I think will make me happy, free of that for a moment, after the last one is gone and before the next one comes, I can see that my mind, my heart really, when it's not looking forward or not looking back, is at rest, peace. Peace is here, peace is you. That's why the Buddha said that the highest happiness is peace. And he said that, there, he said that you, can't, you can't find peace by, by going. You can't find peace by going. You can't find the end of the world that our mind creates by going. But he said, also said that only those who reach the end of the world realize this. But the end of the world isn't somewhere else. The end of the world is the end of our story making for even one moment. 
the end of our me making and my making and having everything about me. When that stops for even a moment, we can see through the veil. What shines through is the, is the natural peace and ease that is the natural peace and ease of our nature. So, the, so much of our practice is getting to know this natural peace. That's a lot of what, what of, that's a lot of what we, there's actually two elements of, I think, what we realize in our practice, what we, what we practice, two things, basically. The first is to, is to recognize that peace and ease is not something you postpone, that you don't have to wait for it, it's your natural state. That's the first thing. And that the, the, literally the essence of your mind is, is uh, open, free, unconditioned, unborn, deathless, you could say, and is uh, silent, and it's just literally unmoved by anything. Everything arises, vanishes, like that sound, that buzzing came and went. My reactions to it came and went. What I'm seeing and feeling is, is ever-changing. And the, the awareness that knows it is, is undisturbed. And that same knowing, that same peace that I have just overlooked, it's been following me through every single experience I've ever had in my life. Nearer than my breath, as they say in the Bhagavad Gita. Nearer than near. That's why that, I think last week I, I started with, uh, how, oh, how I laugh when I hear that the fish in the water is thirsty. You don't understand that what's most alive lives inside your own house yet you wander from one holy city to the next with a confused look. We're still looking for peace and happiness, overlooking the ever-present wakefulness and clarity. It's dead silence. So we start our practice by, by reorienting ourselves to the present, the only place we can find anything, you cannot find it by going into some other time because it, that's imaginary. The future never arrives because time is always now. And when we and how do we stay here a little bit? We 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 rely on on this um, tender body, this this instrument of perception and hearing, in this case feeling, sensing, smelling, tasting. These are sound system that these are bourgeois problems. This is not really a big deal. So notice if you haven't, if your mind is complaining, also notice it come, notice it go. And what is it that notices that? I forgot what I was saying, but something to the effect of, <laughs> of here. 
first part of our practice is to orient ourselves to the only place where we can realize this natural great peace and ease. And we use our body as an anchor. And sure enough, the more our mind lives in the same location as our body, attention that's very silent begins to mingle with this body that's, that's, that, and mind that's going through all of its different reactions. And when attention mingles with the mind and the body and all its reactions, it be, it, the body and mind start to, become, to, start to harmonize with the, with the natural peace and ease that is the natural peace and ease of the body and mind. And then we begin to sense, and I know you, you've sensed this, otherwise you wouldn't be here, that, that uh, this peace that I've been searching for, it's an inside job. It's not, it's not to be found through accomplishment. And in fact, even in meditation practice, if you work too hard at it, if, you, if your mind is filled with greed for a special experience or even, a, even freedom, you're, you'll just exhaust your mind you'll just get tight and miserable. And if you, if you resist life, what's going on, and if you resist too hard, that also creates tension. So it turns out that just by, by allowing your natural aware presence to mingle with your body and mind, no matter what it is that's showing, even if it's this crazy buzzing, even the buzzing of the system and any kind of reaction that I have to it, if I let my mind mingle with that experience, all the, even the so-called defilements, the obscurations, the things that make, that I usually get entranced with, they, they actually intensify my experience of natural peace. So then even the desiring this intense desire for a special experience, a person, even my, what we sometimes call on retreats, the Vipassana romance, the person who shows up in the Sangha, who lights my fancy, and who my mind within 10 seconds proliferates into this intense fantasy of, of, Dating and mating and travel and marriage and usually it's so exhausting that you it divorces the end. but the, the <laughs> but all within one all within one moment even that even the while we're lost in that if that doesn't mingle with awareness we wander a long time confused going from one holy city to the next. But as soon as we awaken to that fact that my mind is spinning this fantasy, we say, thank you, fantasy, for reminding me of this inherent wakefulness, clarity, this peace that allows me to notice that this is happening. Then we thank everything, the craziest thought, the craziest feeling. We thank it for reminding us that we're here and to for that in that very moment to to look to the the one as 
as Ajahn Sumedho says, look to the one who knows, or Ajahn Chah, to the Budo, the knowing within us. It's silent. It's at peace always, regardless of your circumstances. So this is a little bit of what the Buddha realized. This, he, first he got to know this peace, but then he saw that what this, pe- what this awareness that's, that has a, that one of its faces is peace. Besides being at peace, it also reflects whatever it is that's going on in your mind. If you're in that vicinity of being aware, in touch with it, so I can talk about it all day, but unless you're in touch with it, unless you actually know that you're, you know that you're aware and you're conscious of being conscious, if you're in touch with it, you will see the whole display, the whole array of thoughts and feelings, hopes and expectations, but you will see that these are just habits of mind. You don't have to follow each one. So the discipline of meditation is not to stop all that meing and mying. It's not to stop wanting what you don't have and not wanting what you do have, but it's to put it to good use. It's to notice it and see through its, its screaming. See it for what it is. This is what Bhante Gunaratna, wonderful teacher, the one who I often quote by, when he says, Somewhere in the process of meditation, you will come face to face with the sudden realization that you're completely crazy. Your mind is a shrieking, gibbering madhouse on wheels barreling pell-mell down the hill, utterly out of control and hopeless. No problem. You're not any crazier than you were yesterday. It has always been this way and you never noticed. You're also no crazier than everybody else around you. The only real difference is that you've confronted the situation. They have not. So what he says, though, about discipline, he says discipline is a difficult word for most of us. It conjures up images of somebody standing over you with a stick, telling you that you're wrong. But self-discipline is different. It's the skill of seeing through the hollow shouting of your own impulses and piercing their secret. They have no power over you. It is all a show, a deception. Your urges scream and bluster at you. They cajole, they coax, they threaten, but they really carry no stick at all. You give in out of habit. You give in because you never really bother to look beyond the threat. It is all empty back there. There is only one way to learn this lesson, though. The words on this page won't do it, but look within and watch the stuff coming up. Restlessness, anxiety, impatience, pain. Just watch it come up and don't get involved. Much to your surprise, it will simply fade away. It rises, it passes away. As simple as that. There's another word for self-discipline. Patience. It is patience. So we aren't going to stop all the bluster of our mind. We just have to get to know it in real time. This is what my mind is doing. This is the traditional translation of the, of the screaming mind and all its proliferation. This is 
called Papancha. It says, the propensity of the worldling's imagination to erupt in an effusion of men mental commentary that obscures the bare data of cognition, or the unbidden going of the mind away from the present to imagined experiences or objects. Our mind just does this. This is what minds do. And usually we follow it. We just become absorbed in it, become incarnated in it. And our practice is to wake up. Wake up. It doesn't mean you stop doing all those things. It means you just see it. Come and go. That's what Buddhas, Buddhas see that whatever comes, it goes. It's the only thing that makes a Buddha different than an ordinary person is that they... They see this as a magic show. It's a display. So when the Buddha realized this, he let, it, he, he let out one of his little songs and he said, luminous. Another way of saying that is reflective or luminous is this mind, brightly shining. And it is colored by all of the defilements, all the mind stuff that visits. This, the unlearned person, the person who doesn't practice, they don't realize this. And so there's no cultivation of their mind. But he doesn't stop there. He says, luminous is this mind. And it is untouched by all the fluff, that, all the stuff that visits it. This the yogi understands. Therefore, there's cultivation of the mind. So how far do we have to travel for peace? Just notice. Now you notice how, how people, as they get older, they sometimes, you know, when, if they're not terribly uncomfortable, uh, if, they, if people, when they get older, are uncomfortable, they tend to get really cranky. Now everybody's cranky, but I, I see a kind of trend in aging. But when they're not so uncomfortable, they tend to be a lot more at peace. Because there's a little less less um, energy to chase, to be obsessed with the next thing. So there's, there's a kind of peacefulness that comes. And they also have the life, the life experience to see that everything fades away. I even, at, I'm about to turn 62 in a, another month, and now I've, I'm seeing, I've seen, a, I've experienced a lot of people dying in my life already. And it seems like it's accelerating. And when I was young, that seemed kind of odd, strange, somehow kept away from that reality. Now I see it's true. All seven billion of us will be replaced within a hundred years. And the more I get used to that, and I see that it's not an aberration, it's not weird, it's kind of the way of things, I'm a little more at peace with it. So over our lifetime, we, we fall into peace, a kind of non-struggle. But we don't really go anywhere to do that. It's when we stop fighting reality, stop trying to get somewhere, trying to push something away, trying to have more of something. Peace is there, open and inviting and comfortable. Yet somehow the trance in my mind is, says, I can't be happy until he finishes talking. 
until I get home to my mattress, my brand new natural <laughs> cotton mattress. Till I, until I sit with that teacher who really opens my heart or whatever, <laughs> our mind will come up with anything to postpone being at peace. That's what keeps our identity going. Our identity depends on time. Unfortunately, that makes us incredibly insecure because time is always running out. And so that makes, makes us keep running and running and running, making sure we pack in enough experiences to keep ourselves intact. But what we most deeply long for is, is, is peace. And that, you don't need to wait for that. You can't find it anywhere else. The only way not to have peace, H.W.L. Punjaji says, the only way not to have peace is to be engaged in something else, to be attached to something other than your nature. Any beauty other than your true nature is a dead corpse in a nice dress. Attachment to these things is living in a grave with dead bodies. When you live in the association of mind and all your thoughts, you live in a graveyard, the graveyard of memory. But when you inquire, when you look into your nature, you're free. Doubting this freedom is clinging to bondage. We cling to our own attachments, but we can fly away and Awareness is the open door. It is your choice. Old patterns are your own cage. Befriend something unchanging and you will be happy. This is wisdom. Give up your old patterns of life. All the bad association. He says you need the past and thoughts to suffer. You don't need anything to be free. Gendon Rinpoche puts it this way, happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. So don't strain yourself. There's nothing to do or to undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body-mind has no real importance at all and has little reality whatsoever. So why identify with and become attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves? Far better to simply let the entire game happen, unfold on its own, springing up and falling back like waves, without changing and manipulating anything. And notice how everything vanishes, 
and reappears magically again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness and peace prevent us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow which you pursue without ever catching, or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you in every instant. So don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They're like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. But as soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, comfortable. So make use of this spaciousness, this freedom and natural ease and peace. Don't search any further. Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who's already resting quietly at home in front of your own fireplace. There's nothing to do or to undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, and nothing missing. How marvelous. Everything unfolds of itself. So the Buddha, when the Buddha said the highest happiness of, is peace, he said, don't go out of yourself and search. Turn the other way. Look within the nature of your mind. It's clear, empty, not made of anything, shining, containing everything. Everything's known. It's not limited by whatever you know. It's invisible like empty space, your own mind. It's free, everything included. Look within the nature of your own mind. It's deathless. And aim for the highest happiness, peace. And interestingly enough, if you aim for the highest happiness and you're, as Thich Nhat Hanh puts it, being peace, then all the other kinds of pleasures of this world, all the kinds of things that give us momentary peace or momentary pleasure, they, they come in full force. You're available to enjoy the sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, the amazing array of sensual experience, but you're not dependent on it. And you also can accommodate the inevitable sorrows that, because your mind is unstuck from the world. Your well-being doesn't depend on things, people, situations, coming, going, however they are. And it allows you to actually to respond with, with compassion, passion, passionate response to the pain and the things that you see in your life. You can actually do something about them because you're free. So then you don't get burnt out trying to help. You've already managed to deal with, I, I call it first things first. Find freedom and let that be your greatest gift to people who have to live with you every day so you're not so needy demanding, expecting, 
And because you're full, you just overflow with, with kindness and caring. So it's not about you. It's about changing the conditions so that you can be a benefit. But paradoxically, the only one that can do it is you. You who are the, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, you who are the richest person on earth, who've been going around begging for a living. Stop being the destitute child, the hungry ghost, the dissatisfied one. Come home and reclaim your heritage. You've, you've got it right here, right now. So just keep checking it out after your last idea has ceased last view of yourself has passed for a moment and before you pick it up again whatever your limitation whatever your unworthiness just for a moment suspend your cherished idea of yourself and see what's here before you can think and you'll see that right in the middle of it what's been what's been hiding in plain view is the natural peace and ease that is the natural peace and ease of the body and mind so may all beings find peace, may all beings be in harmony, may all beings find peace and harmony, and may our practice every day and the willingness to stop and look within be dedicated again and again. Let, let that dedication or the juice of our practice come from a wish that all beings can be, be well and, and to dedicate whatever fruits and benefits and merit and goodness from our practice to be a blessing to, to everyone. May all beings be free. Thank you so much for your practice. Be awake. Stay awake. Don't go to sleep. It's just a habit. Anyway, sweet dreams when you do sleep. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.